at Skittles. Just so you know, it's Skittles, okay? Because I know you're already thinking what in the world's in the bucket. All right. And if you're online, you can't see that, and we'll get to that in a minute. All right, here's where we're going to go. Whew, we were running today. Me and Ella Grace might have broken the speed limit a couple of times trying to get here. We had a baptism after church, and I was afraid I was going to be late, so I'm texting Jonathan and Kyler and be like, I promise I'm coming. And then I had to lug around a really heavy bucket of Skittles. So, all right, so now I'm catching my breath. All right, you ready? One collective breath, and then we're in it. All right, No Ordinary Father. We started it two weeks ago. That's what we were talking about, that our God is a loving God. He's a perfect God, and no matter what your relationship with your earthly father is, good or bad, that should not be the lens that we look through. Right? We started with a question, and it's a question based off an A.W. Tozer quote, uh, who's a guy that's just way smarter than me, and he had this amazing quote. And, and the question we started with was, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Because whatever that is, whatever you think about when you think about God, it tells you something about yourself. Probably one of the most important things about yourself. And so we all wrestle with this. What do we think about when we think about God? Now, to illustrate this, in case you're not quite with me yet, I'm going to use myself as an example. When people think of me, they think of a, a variety of names. Now, some of those names we can't say in church, so we're going to leave them out, right? But some of those names are good names. And so, like one name that people call me, they call me David Patrick Wynn as my full name. That is what is on my birth certificate. And if you call and I answer the phone, and they say, is David Patrick Wynn there? I immediately hang up because I'm either in big trouble or they want money. There's the only two people that call me by that name, right? Because they're reading a script. They've got a list. They don't actually know me. And so I don't really go by that all that much. Uh, one of them that took a little, little while for me to get used to was I got called Mr. Wynn, right? And I just felt old. All of a sudden, just instant old. And and I get it, it's a sign of respect and all that, but I don't see myself as old yet. And so, Mr. just seemed way too formal, right? That's what the doctor's office or the dentist's office says when they call you. Mr. Wynn, are you going to make it to your appointment today? You know, that type of thing. Uh, here's one that, that will sound a little funny to you, and it is a little funny, but it's Wynn Davy. okay? I've got two groups of people that call me that. My buddy John Walker, who you don't know, but he came up with the name. And anybody on social media, because Twitter and Instagram, that's, that's my little handle that you tag me in is Win Davy, right? And so I know that if that's how you reference me, you know me from just kind of the online world. You don't really, don't really know me, know me, right? Uh, another name I go by is pastor or minister or preacher. That's true. Those are, those are who I am. That's all part. That's a lot of, uh, we do a lot of community outreach in Jinx. And so people from the schools, people from the community, they know me by that role. And so that's how they identify with me. Uh, there's another name that uh, if Ron was here, I don't see Ron, but if Ron was here, he would, he would remember this name. Uh, it's Davy, like Davy Crockett. Nobody has called me that since I was about 10 years old. But if I go back home, that's the only name anybody calls me, and I don't go by that, so don't call me that. I won't answer, right? We changed that real quick, but anybody that knew me before I was about 10 years old calls me Davey still, right? Uh, now, my friends, you guys, just call me Dave, right? Just Dave. We, we know each other. We've had an introduction. We, we share a name, you know, first name basis. It's pretty easy, but there's one name that there are only two humans on this planet that get to call me this. One of them sitting right over there. They get to call me dad, 
right? I've got two daughters. My wife would like 75,000 kids. We have two. I'm doing everything I can to stick with two, right? Because that's enough. I've got two teenage daughters. I don't need any more. They keep me busy enough. But dad, you know, the Bible's not any different. You open up the Bible, and all throughout history, when people think of God, they think of different names, right? They think Creator God. They think El Shaddai or Adonai or Jehovah or Savior or, right? And we all think of these different names of God. But just like all of those names describe me, they only describe part of me. And it really tells you a lot because what name they reference me by tells you how close they are to me. Tells you how much they know me, what our relationship looks like. Well, what we think of when we think of God tells about our relationship with him as well. How well we know him, how close we are, what our proximity, what our intimacy with God is. And so this idea of God as a heavenly father is hard, but that's, what, that's exactly what Jesus said our view of God should be. Right? When the disciples ask him, they say, Jesus, you obviously have a connection with God. We see you doing things. We hear you teach in ways that we've never heard. You obviously have a great connection. How do we talk to God like you talk to God? He said very plainly and very simply, you do it like this. Our Father. That's what he wanted. He wanted us to see God. And, and that's the point. That's, that's the design. That's the desire of the heart of God is that we would be able to relate to him. You and I would be able to relate to God as father. And that's an that's a overwhelming thing to think of sometimes. But to be able to do that, it would show a proximity. It would show a closeness, a nearness to him. Now, before we go any further, we've got to acknowledge the other side of this. Satan knows that that's what God wants too. Satan knows that God wants to be related to us as a father, and so what does he do? He goes out and attacks our dads. He's always working against them. He's working against the way we perceive our fathers. And so he's always at it. His his activity, evil in the world, is always out to attack because Satan knows that if we can begin to have a bad image of what a father is, then we're not going to see God the way God wants to be seen. And our struggle is to lean into the desire of God, which is to see him as a perfect, loving, heavenly father, no matter whether you had the best relationship with your earthly dad or you had an absolute terrible relationship. We don't view God through the lens of our earthly father. We view the world through the lens of our heavenly father. And that's the design. That's that's the purpose. And so, listen, if you only hear one thing from me today, here's what I want you to hear. What I want you to hear is that the Christian life is all about this understanding of God as Father. That God wants a close, personal relationship with you and I. And he proved it. He proved it by sending his son. He proved it by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So he proved how much he loves us, that he wants us. And it's our role to step into that. It's our journey as Christians to walk into that relationship because God wants to be our no ordinary father. All right, so here's how we're going to do this today. Here's the aspect of father we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this principle of provision, okay, that that God gives us blessings, that God gives us what we need. And it's an Old Testament principle. Right? And the Old Testament is full of amazing stories. Some of the best, most entertaining stories that movies aren't even made of are in the Old Testament. But sometimes we forget that there's a lot of Old Testament principles that become New Testament and even today applications. 
And that's what this principle of, of provision is. It's also called the double portion blessing. Who doesn't like double portion, right? Thanksgiving's coming up. You're going for double portions, aren't you? Build those sideboards on the plate, load it up and go, right? Double portion. It's also called the firstborn right. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So I've got two daughters. Only one of them came with me today. So this bowl right here is going to represent daughter number one, Ella Grace. She is my firstborn. This bowl right here is going to represent Lainey. She is my secondborn. Okay? They don't look like my daughters, but you're going to go with me, right? You're going to stay with me. All right, here's how the principle of the firstborn of the double blessing works. In the Old Testament, when a father would go to pass down his blessings to his children, he would go to the firstborn. And they would get two blessings, right? They get double portion. All right, look at that. And then every other child, remember I only have one more other child, right? Just one, would get one. Now, are we okay with that so far? Everybody's with me. Firstborn gets two. Every other son after that gets one, right? Now, that's great if you're the firstborn. If you're the secondborn, what are you automatically saying? That ain't very fair. I knew dad liked them better than me, right, playing favorites. Now, as a parent, you know this, right? Is this a sign of how much I love my children? No, there's a plan, right? There's a principle at play. And so every time I hand out some camels or some money or some land, I'm giving child number one two, two blessings, and I'm giving child number two, I'm just giving them one. But here's why. Because in life, and you guys know this, in life, all of a sudden, you're just going around and a phone call happens. A disaster occurs. A diagnosis comes. And it's not too long, and it's not just, now we've lost a little bit. We've had some of the blessing of life taken away from us. We've had some of the goodness that we were enjoying leave. And we find ourselves with less than what we were supposed to have. And what happens is before long, if those things keep happening, well, we're, we just barely have anything left. Or maybe nothing at all. It's been a tough 18 months, hasn't it? Maybe you find yourself with very little or nothing. But the reason that the older child would get double portion, it wasn't so they could have more. It's so that when life would happen, they could take care of the family. That's exactly right. They could share. Listen, you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to spill a lot of Skittles today. Don't get distracted by them, right? Just don't get distracted. We'll figure it out after. <laughs> we'll figure it out after. But you share. You share and make sure. See, the double portion, the point of the double portion was so that the older child, the firstborn son, could take care of the rest of the family. So that in the father's absence, those who had been blessed much could help bless others. That's the principle that we're called to live by. That's the principle. And here's the good news. It's an Old Testament principle, but the way it applies to us is very simply, who is Jesus? Jesus is God's firstborn, right? Jesus is God's only begotten son. He's the only son he had. He's the firstborn. That's who it is. And so Jesus was given access to all of God's blessings. He got the whole portion. He got the whole share. And because of relationship with him, if we become Christian, if we are baptized into Christ, we then have access through Jesus. He's going to take care of us, right? When we're running low, Jesus is what fills us up. We have access to all the Father's blessings through his firstborn, that the firstborn 
was given much to take care of the family. I love this idea that our father knew we would have needs. He knew there would be seasons in which we would go through, and yet he, and we talked about it last time I was here, he lavished his great love. Just covers this up with the blessing through Jesus, his firstborn son. Now, we can look at this all throughout Scripture. Uh, if you're a note taker, you got your Bible, this is the time to pull that out. We're going to look at a couple. Uh, like I said, they're all over, but there's two that I think just illustrate it really, really clearly. The first one's in Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 17 says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He got all the provision. He got all the supply, all the resource of God through him and for him. For he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Or how about Romans 8? Romans 8, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he's talking about us, he's talking about Christians. He also predestined, he had a plan for us, he had something he, he was preparing for us. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That it has always been God's intent to make our needs, that they are met. Through Jesus, that Jesus becomes our source. He becomes our supply to the blessings of God. That every need you have, every struggle, every frustration, every want, every need you have, God has always intended those needs to be met through Jesus Christ, his first and only son. That that's the resource that we have. And while that is really good news, you want some even better news? Not only is Jesus God's firstborn, but you and I, we are co-heirs that, that we get to identify, that we get to share in the inheritance of God. Stick right there in Romans. In Romans 8, a little earlier in the chapter, Paul writes this. He's writing about the same idea. And it says, and by him, by the Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, right, if we're children of God, if we've surrendered our life, we've been baptized, we're sons, we're daughters of the king, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. That's incredible news. What that means for me and you is that as Christians in Christ, we have the right of the firstborn. That as Christians, we're not the second child over here in this bowl just getting it when we need it. What he's saying is, no, 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 no. We are, that's a really, we are co-heirs. That means he invites us all to be the firstborn. He invites us all to experience the fullness and the goodness and the blessing of God. That if you're a Christian, you have a right of the firstborn. You are co-heirs with Christ. That everything you need, the universe is yours. You don't ever have to worry about what your neighbor has. What somebody down the street got. 
You, the, this idea of comparison and jealousy and envy, it doesn't exist in a Christian's world because you realize, I've already got everything. I have the entire universe. Everything I have is mine. Now, when we fail to acknowledge that, it's when we approach it as a slave mentality. That God is a master to be served, not a father to be loved. And we've got to stop seeing God as a master and start seeing God as our father. That he's a good father that wants to give us every blessing. Wants to give us every source, every supply, everything we need is met because we are in Christ. And in Christ, we have the right of the firstborn. That's why we get together every single week. We worship, we teach, we sing, we pray. It's not because we have to. It's because it's our reminder of how good God is. It's our reminder. And listen, we need reminders because the week's long and work's tough. And those neighbors get on our nerves and kids disappoint and families frustrate and the bills keep coming due. And we need a reminder that, oh yeah, even in this world, we serve a good God who has given us access to every single one of his blessings, that he is our savior, he is our source, our supply, that Jesus opens the floodgates for us so that we can have an overflowing, double portion blessing. Now, if you say, okay, but not me, I've just got a little bit. Listen, you remember what they call devil in the Bible? In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes. You know who doesn't get robbed? People that don't have anything. You know who does get robbed? People that got a lot of stuff. If the enemy's after you, it means you've got a lot of blessings. You've got a double portion. You may not see it. You may not feel like it. But the thief is coming at you because you are so blessed. You've got so much blessing from God. that the, thief, the thief's after it. He's trying to bring you down. He's trying to steal from you. But not only do we have the right of the firstborn. See, we've also got the responsibility of the firstborn. And I love the word responsibility. It's, it's one of the easiest words to define in the English language, right? Because responsibility is just your ability to respond. That's it. It's your ability to respond. See, because if I'm a firstborn, if I'm a son, if God is my father, then I have access to every blessing. But you know what? I'm going to constantly be bumping up against people who are struggling a little bit, need a little help. That's why we give at church. That's why we serve at church. So that what we can do is we can take some of the blessings God's given us and we can share it with the world around us. We can have impact in our community. We can do things like a Christmas store. We can do things like a food pantry once a week. We can do these things because, listen, we are so blessed, but God has given us so much, we're just sharing it. Our responsibility is not to just have all the blessings. It's to take care of the family to share and take care of the family, that all those who are in need, we give. Those who are walking around in a world without forgiveness, we can give forgiveness. Those who function in life and sit on the edge because they're burdened with shame and with guilt, we can help give freedom and new life because we know how to connect to the source, to the supply, 
to the one who gave us everything. Our ability to respond to the physical needs, the emotional needs, the spiritual needs of all those around us. That, that It changes everything when we understand how much we have access to, the rights we have, but we also have the responsibility to give it away. Just constantly give it away. Just constantly pour life into other people. And I get it, right? Because I'm a skeptical person by nature. And so I sit here and say, okay, Dave, that's real cute. You got Skittles, and it sounds good. We can probably tweet some of these phrases, right? That's all good. But I don't really feel like I've got many blessings. Matter of fact, not only do I not feel like I have very many, I'm just empty. I don't really feel God's blessing in my life. I don't really see evidence of God's blessing in my life. Life's tough. Life has been hard. And I don't, I don't, know, I don't know really, Dave, what you're talking about because, because my bowl is empty. It's not only that I don't have everything I need. I don't have anything I need. Can I tell you I get that? I think there's seasons where, where we all go through that. But just because we don't feel God's presence, we don't feel like we're being blessed, it doesn't mean we're not. Right? There, there's an example of this because this idea of Abba, Father, it's only used three times in the New Testament. And two of them are written by other people. There's one time where it comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And here's, here's my rule for living, okay? If somebody tells me they're going to die and come back to life and they pull it off, I'm pretty much going to believe everything they say, right? Fair enough. One guy's done it. I'm all in on Jesus because he's the only one that did it. So he said it one time, and he said it, he said it after a life of modeling this principle. Right? He said it after giving up heaven to come live on earth and deal with earthly stuff. He's, yeah, who in their right mind would do that? He, he said it after modeling this by feeding the thousands, giving the blind their sight, helping the lame to walk, healing the sick, raising the dead. He modeled it. He lived it. And yet there was this one moment where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the end of his life, and he's, he's having this conversation. And there he goes again. He taught the disciples, hey, when you pray, pray, our Father. And when he felt empty, when he wasn't feeling that closeness, when he knew this separation, this abandonment of was coming on the cross, here's what he said in Mark chapter 14. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, even when we feel empty, we cry out, Abba, Father, Dad, that I feel bad, I feel empty, I feel run down, I feel alone, I feel isolated. That's not when we run from God, that's when we run to God. Abba, Father, would you take this season away? Would you help me with this hurt? Would you help me with this addiction, this struggle, this sin, this circumstance that's out of my control? Father. Would you show up and give me access to your blessings? Would you give me access to so much? God, would you just come and just fill my bowl? 
right? And here's what I love. You thought I was going to pour it, but I didn't. See, I'm tricking you. Here's what I love. See, we're not this bowl anymore. See, when we're in Christ, we're this bowl. And the thing about it is when God loves us, and he always loves us, when God's taking care of us, and he's always taking care of us, he doesn't just give us what we need. He gives us a double portion. And I don't know about you, but a double portion, well, a double portion tends to overflow, right? It tends to just go everywhere. And now all of a sudden, I can't even walk around without getting the blessing of God stuck to me, right? And everybody notices and everybody's worried about it because some of you don't hear a word I'm saying because you're focused on Skittles all over the ground. Guess what? That's exactly what experiencing the blessing of God in your life does. You don't notice anything. You don't hear the voices. All you see is the blessings of God. And that's what he wants for you. And that's what he wants for me. And that's what we do. And so here's Jesus at the end of his life. And we always say he leaves the garden and he goes on trial. But can I change it on you this morning? He didn't go on trial. He became a commercial. And you're saying, wait a minute, Dave, what's that? I love a good commercial, right? I'm a truck, I drive, I drive a, a pickup truck. Anybody else drive a pickup truck in here? Anybody? Yeah, a few people. So I drive a pickup truck. I just have my whole life. It's just, I grew up on a farm, which is what you do. And now I carry around backpacks instead of actual farm stuff. So, but I still drive the truck. So I drive a Ford truck, and I love the Ford commercials, right? Now, if you're a Chevy person, Dodge, Toyota, whatever, that's good for you. God loves all people. We can all drive different cars, right? But I love the Ford commercial because I built Ford tough, right? And you got to say it like that. You got to have that gravelly voice. You got to have that, that, right? Because then there's, there's fireworks going off over here, and there's flames over here, and there's all kinds of graphics going, and it's built Ford tough. Yeah, get some bass in there, right? Built Ford tough, right? Feel like you're about to play football or something. But then they go one step further and they hook it up to like four houses and they start pulling it. And they take this crane and they drop this massive load of rocks in the bed or logs or goldfish or I don't know what they drop in there, but something, right? And you know what the designers, you know what the engineers, what the marketers of that truck, you know what they're not expecting? They're not expecting the axle to break. They're not expecting it to not pull what they hook it up to. You know why? Because they designed it. They know exactly what it's capable of. They know exactly what it can do. They know exactly what it was made for. Guess what? You're not built for tough. You're built God tough. Right? And God knows exactly what you're capable of. God knows exactly what your abilities are. God knows the blessing and the resource. And so when life comes at you, when you get that phone call, when you experience that loss, when you go through that bad season, God's not expecting you to quit. He's not putting you on trial. He's putting you in a commercial. Because see, what a good commercial does, a good commercial makes you say, I want one of those. Right? And when Christ went on display, when he died on the cross, he wasn't on trial, he was on display. And when I look at the cross and I see him and I see his love and I see his blessing, you know what I say? I want one of those. I want one of those in my life. And guess what? As co-heirs, our lives should be on display for the world. That way when they look at us, you know what they say? I want one of those. 
I want what he's got. I want what she's got. I want to experience that overflow and that blessing and that life. Your life isn't a trial. Your life is a commercial. And it's a commercial that God knows you can make it through because he built you. He designed you. He's resourced you. He supplied you. And he knows that you have everything you need to make it through. I love the idea that we have the right of the firstborn. We have the blessing of God in overflowing double portion. But we can't let it make, it arrogant, make us arrogant, can we? It's not ours. It's not ours to hold on to. It's ours to give away. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we invite others into relationship. We invite others to come to church and experience the blessing. It's why we do everything we do. It's why, because here's the reality. God has so much more intended for your life than what you know. More healing. More grace. More forgiveness. More freedom. But you've got to see him as a father. You've got to become a co-heir so that you can receive an overflowing portion. And then you've got to go live it. You've got the responsibility to live life on display so the world will know how good our no ordinary father is. Listen, y'all are raising hands. Y'all are amening. I thought one of the sisters over here was going to dance a minute ago. Y'all keep that up. I'm liable to talk all day, and y'all don't want me to talk all day. Here's, <laughs> you got nowhere to go? Here's how we're going to close it, right? There's some of you in the room, and I know it because I come up here enough that I know. I know enough of your story. Some of you have never received Christ. You've never said, you know what? I'm going to submit my life to God. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to live for him. And I love you, and I'm glad you're here if that's you. But you're missing out. You're missing out on the blessing. So your bowl's empty. It's dry, isn't it? It's dry and empty. No sense in waiting anymore. Figure it out. But here's the other thing I know. Listen, don't tell, don't tell church people this, okay? I heard somebody say we're going to get it all together. You can't get it all together because you're not the get-it-together church. Ask Ron, right? So don't tell the church people. But we're not very good at this some days. Some days we don't, we're not a very good commercial for God's blessing because we focus too much on the hurt and the pain and what we don't have. What if this week we only focused on the overflowing abundance of God in our life? Even, even when the bad happens, even when everything goes wrong, even when we're about to pull our hair out and lose our mind, what if? What if this week we said, you know what? No matter what happens to me, my life will be a commercial for the blessings of God. Could you imagine the change you'd have in your community, in your homes, in your neighborhoods? So that's my prayer for you. So if you don't know Christ, you'd come to know him today and you'd surrender your life. And if you know him, you'd live different today. You would live, not with this slave mentality that says, I've got to go to church, I've got to do these things, but with the son and daughter mentality that says, I get to. I'm an heir. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. With all the rights, all the privileges, with all the blessings. And I refuse to let anybody else tell me anything different.
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. You can respond during the prayer. You can respond during the song. You can respond afterwards. But listen, don't go home the same as you came in. If you did, we just wasted everybody's time today. Go home different. Go home changed. Go home a really, really good commercial. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you for being a father. We love you for filling holes in our hearts that our earthly fathers leave behind. God, we we love you for the healing, for the grace, for the forgiveness. God, today, I'm just praying that you'll move in some hearts. That, God, we, we will see you as a father that just wants so much blessing for our life. God, that you're a father that just, you've built us. You know what we're capable of. So, God, for anybody that doesn't know you as father, that doesn't know you as Lord, Would you give them the courage to surrender their life to you today? And God, for those of us that do, for those of us that are Christians that call ourselves sons and daughters of you, God, would you just motivate us to show the world what it looks like to operate in the provision you intended us to have? Not what we feel, not what we think, but what you intended us to have. God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for that overflowing double portion. We pray it all in your son's name. Amen. And don't worry, I'll clean these up when I'm done.